In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please have a seat. Today's gospel lesson is a lesson that comes in the middle of a couple chapters where Luke, the gospel writer, is essentially putting down a bunch of sayings of Jesus. So it's not exactly the kinds of parables that we're used to. It's a bit more just stuff Jesus said. And so this one's pulled right out of the middle, and it's kind of odd. So, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but it ended like this. When you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Well, that feels good, doesn't it? Um, it's a, it's not exactly the heartwarming kind of fill you up sort of gospel that we tend to like. And it comes after the disciples have said to Jesus, increase our faith. So the desire is so good. The disciples are really there looking to have their faith increased. And Jesus then begins to tell them a series of things that essentially make that kind of faith hard. Faith is hard. The idea that faith is somehow easy is perhaps a misunderstanding. We are here this morning because we all want to, in some sense, have our faith increased. And that's a good starting place. Having our faith increased, having what is inside us developed and blossomed is a good desire. But for many people, there is a misunderstanding of what faith is really supposed to do. Faith in our culture has become something that is really personal. How many times have you heard someone ask or been asked or maybe even ask someone yourself about their faith? There's that great question that people use oftentimes to try to manipulate people. Do you know where you're going when you die? I hope y'all don't ask people that question because that's one of those things where it really makes the idea of faith something that is really just an individual. Faith might start as something individual. Faith might start as a seed planted inside you as an individual person, but it should never stop there. We hear Jesus say in scripture, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am present. He didn't say, when you're off on your own, I am present. Although we know that is true, Jesus really understood the rigor of the way faith takes action. Jesus understood, essentially, we need each other. We can't do this on our own. We have to have each other in order to help develop the faith inside of us. And we see Jesus live into that over and over again. When he sent disciples out, he sent them two by two. Over and over, we understand that we can't really do this on our own. We need each other in order to help develop and increase our faith. Jesus reinforces this just before today's gospel lesson in a passage we did not read, where Jesus encourages his disciples to be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. I'm going to look at both of those things. If someone sins or offends, they need to be rebuked. And if somebody asks for forgiveness and seeks reconciliation, you need to forgive. Both held intention together is something that we aren't good at. I mean, gosh, usually in a gospel lesson, I can at least point to something we're good at. And this is one of those where, nope, we're bad at both. And so we're going to talk both for a moment. The first is rebuking an offender. 
How often have you said to someone else here in this church, that was a really bad thing and you shouldn't have done it and you need to ask for forgiveness? Man, that feels comfortable, doesn't it? I mean, we don't really like that sort of stuff because we ultimately don't really want to be judgy. We don't really want to cast judgment on someone else. We don't want to point out others' imperfections. But as a faith community, as people seeking to follow Jesus, as those of us investing ourselves in this kind of church, we actually should get a bit more comfortable both receiving that critique and giving that critique in love. Do you hear me? In love. We can say anything we want to to one another in love. So we cannot be mean. We can't be uh, uncaring. We can't be flippant. But if you actually were to take a person, look them in the eyes and say, I love you, and that thing you are doing is not good for you, we can actually deepen our relationships in such a meaningful way. That's the first half. And then the second half is when someone seeks reconciliation, we are called to forgive. I can count the people on many hands in my life who have said to me, I just can't forgive them. I am certain the majority of the people in this room have been in a situation where they have been so hurt by someone, their first response, maybe their response to this moment is I cannot forgive them for that. There are certain things that are, we say this all the time, unforgivable sins. No, there isn't. Now you might feel it and it does not mean what they did was okay. And it does not mean you forget, but we are called to forgive when people seek reconciliation. I say to people all the time when they come to me with the burden of being unable to forgive, that actually forgiveness is a gift you deserve. You are actually worth forgiving the other person regardless of what they've done because you deserve the peace forgiveness brings. Holding on to something that is wrong is only going to poison your soul and letting it go and giving it over to God is actually where you seek healing. Now, this kind of level of accountability and intimacy is not something we often feel comfortable with. How many of you have heard within a Christian context about accountability groups? That's something that I have heard for my entire life. I grew up in Florida and I was Roman Catholic. There weren't a lot of us. And so I grew up going to every other youth group and there was accountability said over and over and over again. And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, that seems a little rough because essentially that was in like the WWJD movement where people wore, wore the braces and had the t-shirts and the hats and everything and were mean to each other. That, <laughs> that's not Christian. That's not anchoring ourselves in love, but there's a nugget of goodness in there. The idea of accountability where you actually commit to one another, are intimate with one another, are vulnerable to one another, such that when you've got that holy friend, they can let you see yourself more objectively than we see ourselves. They can hold up a mirror and to show you what it is that you are doing, how you are impacting other people, how you are impacting yourself. And they can, with real, deep, genuine love, help you stop doing stuff 
that is bad for you and help you start doing stuff that is good for you. Those habits and actions, we take shape who we become. And when those habits and actions are not helpful, we should try to get each other to stop. But we don't just simply stop doing the things that aren't helpful. We should actually help one another start the things that are good for us. Create those habits and actions that feed us and change us and transform us over time. That, that is really how we grow as disciples of Jesus. That's the difference in the end of faith versus religion. Faith is a feeling. Religion is an action. We can feel all day long, but until we do something about it, we are not actually on the path of discipleship that Christ calls each one of us to take. Now, there are a lot of things as a priest I get to do. And one of those things is prepare couples for marriage. And I love that. I am one of those priests, there aren't many of us, who really enjoys weddings. Not only is it just a big party, which I love, but it's also an opportunity to be witness to really delicious drama. Um, it's <laughs> great. I love it. It's like your own little private reality TV show. It's superb. And so as I prepare couples for marriages, one of the things I tend to like to do is push them a little bit, nudge them just a bit and poke them a little in order to try and get them toward a life of religious rigor, not just polite faith. And most of the time I begin these conversations, especially when I'm talking to 20 somethings who are getting married and I start very gently and I don't want to kind of turn them off. I want to sort of like pull them just a little bit. And recently I was talking to a 20 something couple and as I started, they jumped way ahead and their responses were good and they were deep and they used the language and they started. And I kind of had a moment where I thought, well, this is unusual. And so I, I started, I stopped them at one point and I said, where does all this come from? And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you just said X, Y, and Z, and that is really good stuff. And where do you get that? And they said, oh, well, we go to Bible study every week. And we go to a small group every week separately beyond just worship on Sundays. Now, how many 20-somethings are doing that? Strike that. How many of you are doing that? The idea here is that these people got it. They understood the level of commitment it takes to actually grow in our discipleship. Jesus and the call to our lives is so inconvenient. We all are busy. We have plenty of things going on, demands that pull us, expectations put upon us, that it is so easy to just simply let religion kind of flounder because it's really just about being nice and good, right? No. In fact, I had someone the other day say to us, sorry, I'm making sure that I'm not saying anything that could identify her. No, I'm not. So I had someone say to me the other day that it was so nice to be back at St. Michael because she doesn't come very often and she feels bad that she doesn't come very often. But, you know, this is the one place in her life that she knows if she doesn't show up and do something, we're not going to kick her out. And I thought, on the one hand, it is true and sad. We are the kind of place. We're not going to kick you out. Of course we won't. But if we are not communicating a message, 
that calls us to be better than that, that calls us to be more committed than that, that calls us to actually begin to shape our lives around this particular way of being, we are not actually loving each other. Now we can say we're not holding each other accountable. That is true. We can talk about the rigor of commitment and that is true. But fundamentally speaking, if we believe this is real, we're not loving each other unless we call each other to a better, higher, more committed way of being. We are called to give and to give in so many different ways. Here in the church, we talk about giving in three specific ways. Time, that means showing up. Even when there are other things to do, that means being present and showing up in a way that does not base your actions on convenience, but rather on commitment. Two, we give our talent. We are given gifts, skills, and expertise that we can donate, volunteer, whether that's leadership or service or all of the above, we are called to give our talents in a very specific, real, impactful way. And third, treasure. And I am talking about money. Money <laughs> means too much to us. Money can define us if we are not careful. And by giving money, our hearts will follow. When we give enough money, we will invest ourselves and our hearts and our minds and our commitment levels will follow and we will be transformed because we have become an owner of this sacred project. And so today we reach that point in our life that we reach every year where we look at each other and we ask for that commitment again in 2023, the time that it takes to be here and be present, the talent that we each have to commit to expanding our mission and ministry, and then the gift of money that fuels all of it and changes our lives for the better. We are sitting here in this room as a community of people looking to let Christ change us. Do not let each other go. Hold on to each other. Do not let anyone in this room get off on a simple, nice faith because that does nothing to change our souls. I love you enough to say you need to commit more deeply next year. And I hope you love each other enough to say the same. Amen.